Ghana boy from London, bringing you my thoughts, ideas, and my source as I reflect on the past week, the things happening around me and all around the world. So last week we spoke about mental health and the importance of mental health and how you know, the different type of ways to maintain good mental health. And I think that was a really good discussion. So, uh, you know, today I want to dive into sexism, really, and kind of the different ways, the different worlds in which, like, men and women live in, and how the world is pretty much built by men who don't consider or don't actually see women. And generally speaking, if it's if something is designed for everyone. It's designed for for men, and women are invisible. Um, there's this book called this book. There is this book out called Invisible Women. Um, it's by um, it's so Invisible Women by Carolyn Criado Perez. It's a really good book. It talks about lots of different things, and such as how police female police officers wear stab vests which are designed for men so the vest doesn't sit correctly and leaves them exposed to injury um car crashes car crash tests so women are more likely to be injured in a car accident because car crash tests use test dummies that are based on the average male body so that on most um when they're checking the safety of a vehicle the dummy that they're putting inside it is based on the male, you know, height, weight, that sort of thing. So the effect um, on a female body in real life is very different. So even though that women are less likely to get involved in a car accident when they do, the injuries are more likely to be worse. And also, for example, smartphones are designed for use for the bigger male hand. They use the bigger male hand as a reference point. So most women struggle to use um, the smartphone in one hand without getting something to kind of those little sticky things that you can stick at the back of a phone to like a ring to put your finger through or something like that just to hold on to it. Just because the the smartphone uses the male hand as standard. And it's really interesting. I um, read this thing about. Um, Cheryl Sandberg used to work at Google and she went into the head of when she was I believe when she was pregnant went to the head of Google and said you need to put in pregnancy parking and the head of Google said oh I never thought about that of course we can do it so just those little things where you kind of see how the the world is built by men who don't really consider seeing men and it's kind of just made me reflect on just growing up um all those little things which those differences between how boys and girls are treated and then how men and women view the world differently and how they interact with the world differently and how that that affects relationships and outlooks and what you see and what you don't see. I think the main reason I want to talk about this is just how in the Ghanaian community it's almost there is that you know, everyone living in a different world. Um, you know, there's that that 
that divide in terms of gender, in terms of how family treats you, in terms of how the aspirations you are given or allowed to have, um, in terms of how mistakes are viewed and who is and isn't allowed to make mistakes and how when you're, the mistakes you make, how much of a reflection of your character it is and even you know, any actions you take sometimes, whether it's even viewed as a positive or a negative, you know, whether if, if you saw a man of lots of different girlfriends, you know, you're more likely to think of that as a positive than if you saw a woman of lots of different boyfriends, you're more likely to think of that as being a negative. So I just really wanted to explore those differences and how that divide, um, Really, I just want to talk about those invisible, sorry, those invisible boundaries between men and women, and how you know there's there's this sense of everyone is kind of conscious of it, but well, no, let me not say everyone. Me as a man, I'm conscious of it, but somehow I don't see it. I remember this really, this I remember being at uni one time, and this girl showing me a video of a girl walking in New York, and as she's walking in New York, that all these men just catcalling her and just whistling at her saying oh hey beautiful why don't you smile for like years ago probably eight ten years ago I remember looking and I was thinking wait does that actually happen to women she was like yeah of course and I'm just thinking like so if I'm walking down the road I might see one guy say something to a girl but then that girl walks past so I don't see anyone else saying anything to her or you know catcall whistling at her but for that girl who's just walking, I don't know, to the shops, there is different men just continuously just doing things to her. And so just in terms of how you navigate the world, it's completely different. You're a lot more likely to kind of have, you know, to walk down the road and to have your headphones, if you're a woman, to have your headphones in or to be speaking on the phone just so you have someone to talk to, just so that guys don't try and talk to you. Um, I know girls that would walk down the road and have headphones in and not be listening to any music just so that guys wouldn't try and approach them. I've never in my life to walk down the road with headphones in just so that a girl wouldn't come and talk to me, you know? So that kind of thing where it just means that, you know, as a, as a woman, your antenna is, is, is kind of tuned a bit differently, just out of safety, you're thinking about things a little bit more you're kind of thinking about well, if I go down this road this is what might happen um or even stuff like I think the most the one that I kind of noticed it the most is if you're going out like if a woman's going out and um and in, in the evening or something just thinking of all those safety precautions whereas as a guy if I'm out at night, really and truly, I'm scared about getting mugged. I'm not scared of anyone beating me up or anyone raping me. What I'm scared of is getting mugged. Um, I remember reading this, I think it was a poem actually, or something like a short blurb where it was like, imagine you're in prison. And in this prison, you know, some of the people in there are predators and some of them are just nice people. But everyone in there is stronger than you and at any second they could take advantage of you if they decide to so whenever someone approaches you and is nice to you in the back of your mind you're always kind of 
tense, you're always kind of bracing yourself for them not being a nice person and also trying at the same time always trying to filter and ask them questions to see whether they were good. They're trying to take advantage of you or not. And you're doing this all with the understanding that everyone around you is stronger than you, um, is physically stronger than you. And if they choose violence, you're going to lose. And, you know, in essence, that's what it feels like to be a woman in in the physical sense is because should, the, this guy might be talking to you and being friendly with you, but do you actually, you're, I, would, I would assume that you're kind of trying to figure out if they really are a nice person or if they're just trying to manipulate you. There's that bit of you're trying to filter and trying to understand whilst at the same time knowing, you know, if you meet a stranger for the first time, you should meet them in the public place to make sure they don't do anything to you. Like, if I was to meet a, f- a female stranger for the first time and they wanted to meet in a private place, my fears would be, it's a set-up chick. As soon as I meet her, there's going to be, like, 10 guys running through the door coming to rob me. Um, there might be a false rape allegation. Um, that's that's pretty much it. But I'm not scared that if I met this girl in a private place, that this girl might assault me or this girl by herself would abuse me and it's not something that I actually think about so it means there's certain things that I I don't see just as a man that a woman would so and for me I think that just comes out it's like there's these social rules um, especially some social rules that you'd see in the Ghanaian communities like from a very like from girls from teenage years are kind of dragged into the kitchen to learn how to cook, whether they like it or not. You know, your mom's like, you better come and learn how to cook. If you don't learn how to cook, you're not going to get a husband, all of these things. Um, and it's weird because most women that I speak to, most women that I speak to want a husband who can cook, but most of, them, most of them won't be dragging their son into the kitchen to teach them how to cook. So I'm always like, for a man to grow up not knowing the basic skill of learning how to cook for himself and learning how to feed himself, how does that play out in later life? I mean, how does that affect their health and finances of a single man who can only, who lacks any confidence in the kitchen? Because cooking isn't really that hard. It's quite, it's really like basic steps. You can just YouTube it. But if you've never been in the kitchen and you've never cooked anything, there's just that sense of, there's just like fear over it. You're thinking, oh, I can never do that. So you don't even try to to learn it. So you never really realize just how easy it is. So you don't have any of that confidence. You just eat, you know, if you're single, you don't know how to cook. Most guys are just going to be in lots of takeaway. And that's going to affect your finances. That's going to affect your health. And... You know, you know, bringing it back to Ghana, most Ghanaian guys wouldn't marry a woman who can't cook. Um, but if a woman meets a man who can cook, they see it as a bonus point rather than, rather than saying, I, I, I don't know many women who would say, I'm not going to marry a guy if he can't cook. Because they kind of expect men not to know how to cook or at the very least not know how to cook good food or not you know uh so they're kind of you know as much as you know 
the modern Ghanaian woman is very as a very modern woman. It's the kitchen is still seen as the woman's. I'm not going to say the woman's place, but it's kind of seen as the woman's domain or where the woman takes the woman takes the lead in the kitchen. And it's interesting to see that because generally speaking, the modern day. So it was usually in the back back in the day. It was the man took care of all the finances and a woman took care of all the cooking but now what you tend to see is the finances are split 50 50 just because the way things are the man can't pay for all them bills by himself but the food is still but the food doesn't go to 50 50 the food is still the woman you know you'd be lucky if he's take if he's doing any chores he's doing the, the manly stuff you know do the bins um do the hoovering but the woman's probably still cleaning the toilet and she's still doing doing the cooking and putting in the freezer. And I think, you know, for a man to like just that basic skill of survival, learn how to cook, it just it just creates problems in the future. Imagine if, you know, a woman marries a guy who can't cook and they end up having kids. It's only a matter of time before eventually that woman comes home, tired from work, you know, angry at the nonsense that her manager's been doing, gets home and finds her husband's just sat there watching football with the kids, waiting for her to come home and cook. And she's going to be upset and she's going to be angry. Um, and he's, you know, because I'm sure it's happened lots of times. The guy's probably ordered takeaway a few times. He's like, why are you upset? Last time I ordered takeaway, you told me not to order takeaway. So now we didn't do that. We didn't order any pizza. And now we're waiting for you to come and cook. You're, you're upset. But the guy that the, the husband doesn't know how to cook, so what, what can he do? No one's ever showed him how to do it. Um, and no one's told him, no one's showed him how to do it. No one's told him to learn. And he's, for being honest, blind to the fact that he should learn. Because most basic skills that human beings know are things that you are told to learn or society pressures you into learning. Most people learn to read, not because they came out of the womb wanted to read a book or not because they were five years old and thought, you know, let me kill the time. Let me learn what ABC is. You learn how, you know how to read simply because your parents made that decision for you. They made a decision that you were going to read and they put you in front of teachers and nursery schools who were going to teach you that it wasn't your decision. Even if you, even if you take it away from stuff like that and you go, let's say brushing your teeth. Most people brush their teeth not because they enjoy the task, not because, you know, you wake up every morning, jump out of bed like, ooh, let's, let's, let's taste something minty in my mouth. You brush your teeth because you don't want your mouth to stink. That's it. Don't want your mouth to smell. It's like you do things just because it's socially required of you to do it, not because you enjoy it. So I think since it's not socially required of men to learn how to cook, they don't learn how to cook as simple as that and it's interesting as well like most Ghanaian parties you you see like the women handing out the food and handing out the drinks um and the only time I've ever seen any men handing out food or drinks is in Ghana itself I've never seen a Ghanaian party in London where the guys are helping out it's always like the girls helping out and it's you know, normally it would be like, let's say it's someone's birthday, maybe the, the, the female 
members of the family doing the food or, you know, distant cousins. But sometimes you even see, like, friend of a friend of a friend, someone who's just bumped, come to this party by accident, being asked to help serve drinks and help serve food for no other reason than they're a girl. And then the guys aren't asked to do that. And being honest, me, myself, like, you know, when I go to Ghana parties and I'm getting served, I'm so busy stuffing my face full of full of jollof and chicken and plantain that I never actually stopped to think whether that whole situation was fair or not. It was just because it was benefiting me. I, all I learned was men and women are treated differently. I never went on to consider whether the way things were were good or bad because it was good for me. So... There was it, it never actually occurred to me to think of anything. But then when I actually like um I remember I remember one time um some one I saw a girl being asked to go serve drinks and she was like, no, why should I go and serve? Just because I'm a girl, why should I go and serve? And everyone was just looking at her like, oh, this girl, she's rude, she's disrespectful, blah blah blah. And I remember just thinking, actually, why is she being asked? to go and serve drinks. Just because she's a woman, why aren't any of the guys being asked to go serve drinks? Matter of fact, it, and it's weird because in those situations, even if the guy want, if there was a guy who wanted to go serve drinks, he'd be told to sit down. Be like, no, 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 no. No, sit. You know, you can't, it's seen as taken away from your masculinity or something. Because I remember when I was volunteering in Zambia, we were like out, out in a very rural place, out in the countryside, um, and it was there were two British. Um, so there's three of us. Two of us are British volunteers. One of us, and one of them uh, was a Zambian volunteer. So there were both girls, and I was the only guy. So one British, one female British volunteer, one female Zambian volunteer, and I was the one male British volunteer. So when we got there, I was just like, just naturally. I was like, oh, let's set up a roster for chores and, like, cleaning dishes. So you do Monday, Tuesday, I do Wednesday, Thursday, blah, 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 whatever it was. And then when it was my day, I was cleaning it. And then I remember, as I'm washing the dishes, all the boys in the community are just standing there, just looking at me. And they're all just standing there, looking at me, just giggling. And all of a sudden, you see the, the some of the boys go away, they come and they bring their mums with them. And the mums are just standing there looking at me, staring, giggling as well. They go away, they come back, they bring their husbands. They're just standing there giggling. And then I realised they had never seen a man washing dishes. So to them, I might, I might as well have just been walking around in a dress. They were just like, what's going on here? Why is he washing dishes? And it was just so, to them it was so demasculating and for me to be doing it and just to be happy doing it and to just feel like it was just normal, they just found it funny. It was just surreal to them. I can't say I changed all the Zambia and all this, or like all the men over there washing dishes. But, you know, maybe I made one of the little boys think about, oh, maybe I help mum wash place tonight or something like that. But, you know, you kind of, it just made me feel think about how Ghana just that difference and how men and women are treated and you even see it in the entertainment sector where I always feel like female athletes are treated very differently to male athletes and for me um, the perfect example of that is Serena Williams 
I don't know of any athlete that has been on the top of her game, on the top of her league, industry, sport, from when I was in secondary school to when I was in university to when I left university, did post-grad, came out, started work. There is no one in sport who's that many wins whose peak performance has lasted this long. And yet, I never feel like Serena Williams has really given that legendary status, just that unbelievable legendary status that she is. It's always, oh yeah, Serena, she's good. You know, she's just good, I guess. There's never like a real like celebration of her achievement. It just feels more like a, Eh, like a shoulder shrug, like an acceptance of it. I've always felt like it's because she's a woman. She's, it's strange. It's almost like when you're a woman, you're not allowed to be confident in your achievements or confident in your strengths. You almost have to be excessively humble to the point of just being insecure. You have to show yourself you have to be vulnerable. Like if you're a guy, you can just be cocky and just be like, yeah, I'm the best alive, whatever. And it doesn't matter. They'll just be like, oh, he's just a cocky person. But the moment you, I don't know, Serena Williams isn't cocky, but I'm just going off sidetrack here. The moment you're female athlete and you're cocky, it's almost like it's, it's seen as disrespectful. It's almost like people feel that you no longer deserve the opportunity you're given or something. And I think you see this with, like, female rappers as well. Um, I'd say people that come to mind for me would be, like, Lil Sims or Young M.A., who are amazing rappers. And I think, bar for bar, if they were a male rapper singing the exact same words, the exact same flow and the exact same beat, they would be so much bigger, so much more um, commercially successful than they currently are. And I just think it's... I don't know if it's by being a is it like just being by being a woman there are more questions asked of your ability is it a sense of you don't as I when I was saying how the the crash test dummy the standard for the crash test dummy for example is the male body is it like in the social consciousness the the standard for a successful person is the male body and so when you're not that it's just you you can't be success because you don't look like what success looks like um and it's it's always kind of felt strange to me to see that and i think another thing in the world would be like if if you look at the noise that people make about the world cup when it comes you know like corporate sponsors front page newspaper articles when it comes to the women's world cup it's just silence it's just like just pure silence um just from like because when it's the world cup even you even see banners in asta see banners in little it's like it's every it's everywhere but the moment it's the women's world cup it's just it's not everywhere and it's just you kind of you don't even realize it's going on so you're watching BBC and they go, oh, blah, 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 one in that. Oh, I didn't even know there was 
going to be a World Cup this year. Didn't even know it started. I don't even watch football, but I always know when the World Cup or the Olympics is because I'll watch the fireworks sometimes. I didn't even know there was any going to be any fireworks. What happened? I missed my opportunity. But, um, yeah, and it's like in Ghana, you kind of realise, I feel like Ghanaian community discourages girls from getting involved in sports. Um, I don't know if they're scared of people get girls getting muscles, becoming tomboys, or just turning lesbians. Because Ghanaians be thinking some homophobic things sometimes, but only thing I can say is one, it's not that easy to get muscles. Girls be always trying to act like it's easy to get muscles. Like, oh, I don't want to do too many squats with my 2kg weights because, you know, I don't want to get muscles. It's not that easy. I, don't, I just want to get a toned stomach. I don't want an eight-pack. It's not that easy. No one accidentally fumbles their way into an eight-pack. Believe me, if you if you find yourself on the horizon again an eight-pack, just eat a couple more spoons of ice cream. You'll be back where you need to be. Don't worry about that. And... <laughs> I think like lastly, like if there's any parent out there who thinks like sports is gonna turn their daughter into lesbian, you're just lying to yourself. And that's that's just the truth. But you know, I think female sports here will always it will never have that support from the Ghanaian community until a female footballer comes out and becomes rich, like a millionaire rich. Because it was the same thing with male football. Like, Ghanaian parents did not encourage their kids to play sports or to do any sports until sports stars were born, until sportsmen became millionaires. When Ghanaian parents realised you could become a millionaire from playing football, all of a sudden everyone wanted to be their son to be Messi and Ronaldo. Before that, people were getting beaten for trying to go play football. You know, trying to join the local football team. You you know, you you were told it was a waste of time. Go become a doctor. Um, who knows? I don't. I actually wonder what's going to happen with that. With all this coronavirus and doctors dying and stuff, if Ghanaian parents are going to be like, no, 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 don't become a doctor. Go become a programmer so you can work from home. Whilst people are dying from corona. <laughs> no, that was a bit rude. But yeah, and I think another way that you see that divide in gender is in, in the workplace. So I've worked in the car industry for about over two years now. And the strangest thing is I was completely unaware that it's a, that the motor industry is a male-dominated industry until a female colleague made a joke about it once. And then I was just like, oh, wow, that this is actually majority men in this industry. And I had never realized, like, if you go to a, if you're going to buy a car, the salesman, probably be a man. You know, the general manager of the dealership probably be a man. The one, the mechanic fixing the car probably be a man. It's a very male-dominated industry. And I just, I never realized it until she made that joke. And all I could think was, if I was in a, in, if I was ever in a room where the majority of the people in a room were white, it wouldn't take me a year to figure that out. But because I'm in part of the group that benefits from systemic sexism like when I'm in the room I just don't realize it and that was that was honestly so odd to me it wasn't like it wasn't even on the horizon to for me to actually be like oh yeah I am in the male dominated industry and you know even when you see women in any positions of power it always 
somehow it's always in the support role. You're never the lead head of the entire company. You know, whenever you get senior managers, all they are senior female managers, all they are is middle management. They're never number one. They never they never take that number one spot. There's always this glass ceiling. There's always there's always something there where you know everyone wants to talk about how they've got female leaders in management, and yet never no one really wants to trust the whole ship to a woman. You know, you get like part of the ship. You know, you get to control the back end of the ship or the front end or or the left side or the right side. But the whole ship just to you, nah, that's not going to happen. There's always, always something, always something. And I just think it's just, it's crazy to see that. Um, but yeah, for me, sex, sexism in the Ghanaian community is something that you see just in terms of, it just plays out strangely, like in social terms, like, like I was saying, um, if you're at a party, you know, all the women are serving the men food. Um, and it's kind of, it's seen as to be expected and it's seen as acceptable. And so women expect to serve, they're expected to serve the men and men always expect to be served. But then once those men and women go to their homes the man continues to expect to be served, but now the woman's frustrated that every day she's having to come home from work to serve someone when she also wants someone to serve her. Because in a healthy relationship is both people serving each other and splitting the work 50-50. But no one seems to be creating a home for little boys where they are, for, you know, for example, learning how to cook. If no one's showing a little boy how to cook, then... How do they become a husband who knows how to cook? They have to take it upon themselves to learn that. I mean, I know how to cook a few things, mostly just because of YouTube, just straight out of YouTube. And the only reason that was sparked really and truly is university. If I hadn't gone to university, or if I'd gone to university but stayed home, there's absolutely nowhere I'd know how to cook. Absolutely, absolutely no chance. And I'm pretty sure even guys that, there's a couple guys that went uni, and all they did was eat in the meat, you know, chicken wings and chips came back nada. So but that's just life I guess. But you know, I think the Ghanaian community has encourages sexism. It encourages sexism and encourages this gender divide only to then become frustrated um at a later point in um become frustrated at the consequences of that environment at a later point, especially when people get married and have kids. Um, and, you know, the man's expecting a woman to cook every day um, or to always do the cooking, but the woman's struggling because there's too much to handle and she needs help in the cooking. But the man's just like, I can't help you here, you know? But then if the man's struggling with the bills... You know, he expects the women to help out the bills. It's not a situation where... I mean, if it was a situation where the women expect to cook every day and the man pays all the bills, right, fair enough. But now there's, there's, the, the, the thing is switched around where it's almost like the guy gets to 
share all the burdens which are difficult and keep all the benefits that he gained, that he, you know, keep all the benefits, you know, because back in the day it was, I, you know, I go and get, what is it? I go and get the bacon. I go get the food. I put the bread on the table and the wife cuts it up and butters it. But now both of us are going out to get the bread. We come back and the wife is the one cutting up and buttering it. And there's that, there's that gap. And and then that gap is where I think all the stress and the frustration comes where it could easily happen where a man has been never asked to contribute his time or his much like energy into the home until he's married and a problem comes up so it's not even a a, 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 a proactive thing where both parties decide okay this is what we're going to do and this is how things are going to happen it's normally like someone gets frustrated gets angry your problem comes up and now you're telling him telling the guy to do x or y and you know the guy you know loving the woman will probably do x or y for a week or two until he goes back to his old habits. You know, he's been living that same life for 20, 30 years. You're going to have to give him more than two weeks to get back on track the way you need him to be. You know, it's going to be a process. But yeah, that's pretty much what I was thinking. I was like, how those little, little things that kind of those seeds planted in childhood and how it still plays out today and how the long-term consequences of that in relationships and in futures and in how even raise our kids where women are seen as the ones to raise children so men don't even view themselves as being the one to raise children most men's death some let me say i'm not saying most i'm going to say some some men's definition of raising their child is I paid, I can't, not even I paid the bills because it's not even that anymore. I contributed to the bills. There's food in the fridge. The light is on. There's no leaks in the roof. I raised my child. I'm a good father. But to be a good mother, you got to speak to them. You got to see how they're doing at school, what their friends are like. You know, it's like, it's so much more, the relationship is so much more emotional because you were expected to be so much more emotional and you expect it to be so much more involved. So, and that's why you see like, there's so many things that when a woman does for their child is to be expected. And when a mo- when a man does it, he's congratulated on doing it. But it's just like, well, that's the same thing the mother does. Why is he getting, <laughs> why is he getting congratulated for the standard behaviors of a mother? But it'd be, it's just because of that, that the divide, those gender expectations are so much, so much more is expected from women than expected from men. And it's weird when people look at, like, that's why I find it funny when someone look at housewives and just like, look at housewives are just being lazy and not doing anything. And it's like, there's no such thing. There are many men who do absolutely nothing all day. There are very few women who do absolutely nothing all day. Because you're either cleaning the house, you're either looking after the kids, you're looking after the grandparents you're looking after the neighbors grandparents and there's so much unpaid care responsibilities that a woman who actually wakes up and goes to bed not doing anything is a rare thing because you've got to call some a friend who's depressed 
or a friend of a friend who's suicidal there's always someone somewhere who you need to check up on who you need to you know who you need to allow to lean on you and you know to help along the way so that's my views on that so I guess overall what I'm saying is the Ghanaian community expects um, has different expectations of men and women and that gap in expectations creates frustration in relationships that would be pretty much my, my opinion on that one so thank you for listening and I think next week so next week is going to be an amazing episode I'm going to be talking about art the importance of art in Ghana the importance of art in my life and what I find different how just naturally artistic Ghana is compared to the art that you see in UK and even Europe and how I've and, you know expanded that even further out and seeing how the difference in importance of art in the developing world compared to the developed world and how you just see art in everything in Ghana or Africa or South America even just on people's vehicles you know, on, the, on, the, on the trucks of Iraq and Iran um, you know people's homes and storefronts and you know that difference in my opinion and all of that so once again thank you for listening it's been cool chilling with you I'm going to head out now so as always keep shining be kind and I'll see you on the next one